Turn in your Bibles tonight to the Gospel of John, chapter 7 and verse 40. That's where we'll start anyway. And we're going to talk about the voice of Jesus tonight. Starting in verse 40, it says, Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never never man spake like this man. What a blessing it is to have a voice. I don't know if that's the first thing that comes to our mind to give great appreciation to God for. But when we get an illness or when we get allergies and our voice is taken away and we can hardly sing and we can hardly talk, we really want that voice back. Some more than others, maybe. And you can take that however you will. But speech is truly a gift from God. You know, to have a voice is a blessing. I sit in my office on Sunday mornings and people start walking down the hallway and my door is almost shut so I can't see who's walking by, but I know who's walking by, by their unique individual voice. I know that is so-and-so and that is this person. And, and you hear that and as the morning goes on and gets closer to Sunday school, you just hear all of these voices and, and it just warms my heart to hear the voices of, of my family of God, my brothers and sisters in Christ, in God's house, and the excitement in their voice to be here. You know, we sing praises to God with our voice. We say, I love you with our voice. We express appreciation to others, and we do that with our voice. We pray with our voice. You know, we, we preach with our voice. You know, I've, I've heard some, some preachers with just a, this, this beautiful voice. And, and, it, and it might be kind of loud, but it's not overbearing to those in the front row. And, and it, just, it just cuts right to the back, just perfect for those in a crowd of, of 2,000. But you know, there's no voice like the voice of Jesus. We, of course have not heard his tone, we have not heard his voice that he used when he walked this earth, but you can imagine the beautiful sound that came from the mouth of Jesus as he pushed off from the shore and he preached to the people from the boat. And you can imagine the water making some noise against the boat or against the shore, but it it wasn't irritating, obviously, and it didn't interrupt Jesus and the preaching he did there. 
We read of the voice of Jesus in Revelation 1.15, and it's described as being as the sound of many waters. We're going to hear the voice of Jesus one day. We're going to see him. We're going to hear him. We're going to be like him. But, and we're going to hear that voice one day. But something much more important than the sound of a voice is, is what the voice is saying. There's something more important than the sound of Jesus' voice. And that's what he says. One day the Pharisees, as we just read, were sent to arrest Jesus. And they, they came to him and they came back and they came back empty handed. They were sent to get Jesus and they didn't get Jesus. And they were asked why they did not arrest Jesus. And their answer, we just read, was never man spake like this man. Or in other words, it was because of the way that he talked. It was because of what he said, the things he said, that we did not arrest him. Everything that Jesus said was mighty and marvelous. There are no idle words with Jesus. And he still speaks the same thing to you and I today from the timeless word of God. What was needed for Jesus to say in that day, it is needed for us today and praise the Lord. We have the word of Jesus for our lives and it's so fitting for us today, it is exactly what we need. And so we're going to have a simple message tonight. And every point that we're going to share are going to be from words that Jesus said. And it'll be just a few minutes tonight. And I'm, you don't have to turn here, but I'm going to read from Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. Where Jesus says, I tell you nay, but except ye repent... Ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus knows what people are not willing to admit. People are, have a hard time and not willing to admit their sin and their lost estate without him. There are many who I believe know, but they just reject it and they don't want to admit it. I don't give up hope on anyone, but there are a lot of people there. They won't admit their sin and their lost estate, and they will never be made right with God and be given eternal life until they trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, repenting of their sin. To repent means to change your mind, and it's a willingness to turn from sin. We gather repentance and faith from what Jesus has said here. Repentance and faith are both beautiful graces of God and they're in salvation. They go together. When one places faith in Christ, what will also be taking place is repenting of sin. Now, now you have some people that would try to distract you with a very strict order in which this must happen in someone's salvation. Look, if I kicked you, 
I don't think you would be examining, you know, what happened first and how far apart was it that he kicked me and I felt the pain in my leg. I don't think we would be doing that. And when it comes to repentance and faith, look, these things happen simultaneously. These things happen at the same time. It's a work that happens in our heart. Acts chapter 20 and verse 21 speaks of repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We repent because we have broken God's law. We have faith and trust in Christ because Jesus fulfilled God's law and he paid the penalty for our sin of breaking God's law. Repentance and faith. Faith and repentance happens when someone sees themselves as a lost sinner. Wanting to be saved from sin, forgiven of their sins, wanting to be a child of God with hope for the life to come. Turning to faith in Christ is a decision to turn from sin, willingness to turn from sin and to turn to the Lord Jesus. That's the only way that someone is going to be saved. It makes me think of the call to the firehouse one time when this three-story apartment building was burning down and the firemen go to the scene and up on the third floor you have these people and they're, they're trapped and they're hanging out their windows and, and every ladder goes to the front of the building to all these upper windows and people are trying to help people out of the first story windows on the sides and then there's a yell from the back. And a fireman goes to the back and gathers several more. And there's four men and they're stuck in the corner on the third floor, as it's told. And they have a net. They don't have a ladder, but they have a net. And they say, jump and we will rescue you. You can trust me. Just jump in the net. And one after another, the first one, the second one, and the third one jumped. But the fourth one says, I don't trust the net. I don't want to be caught in this fire, but I just don't trust your net. I'm not doing it. I'm going to find another way. Sadly, they found the man's body. Inside the building when it was all over. A lost soul in danger of eternal fire must be willing to turn from their sins. And by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, trust Him to save them. He is the only way. Jesus must be trusted. We must be willing to turn from our sins. It's simply a matter of choosing the Savior over sin. But Jesus says something else. Let's consider something else in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. There are people we love and there may be things we love. And in and of themselves, that's okay. But if we made a list of what we love and who we love, where does God honestly fit on that list? Because He's not at the top of every Christian's list as He should be. Because some people love their own family more than God. 
And, and I love my family and you love your family, but we know that they don't belong at the top of the list. Some would put possessions way too high on that list, even at the top. There are those who have pleasures that they embrace so much that those pleasures would be at the top of the list coming before God. When that happens, life just simply isn't going to work out. Life is just not going to be right and in order if we have things out of order in our lives. God must be first. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. For God to come first, we must, we must trust His Son. We must obey Him. One must be baptized. We're to join a church family. All of our service, spiritual service, it will, go, it will be in or go through the church. We will seek lost souls that they might be saved and bring them to the Savior when God is first. We'll love the word of God. When God is first. And, and there will be an empowering for us. For a godly life. And loving all others that Jesus died for. When God comes first. Let us love God. And let us say so with our voice to him. And express to him. That he is first in our lives. Jesus says something else here. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There are many religions, but there's one that gives comfort to the people. And that is in Jesus. Life is full of hard knocks. There are hurts in life that we will experience more than we would ever care to. There are hurting hearts all around us. We celebrated and, and we praised the Lord this morning. And th there was such a great number here as we worship the Lord together. But oh, the hurting hearts in here that we don't even know about, that we can't even imagine. It, it, it's what goes on in this life. We need a divine arm of comfort and strength for our lives. And we always need it. And Jesus is that strength for us. The Bethany sisters, when they lost Lazarus, what did they do? They called for Jesus. And Jesus came. He was there. The woman with the issue of blood. She went throughout the world for so long trying to find her help, and then she just wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment that she might be healed, and he was there, and she was. 
The man sick of the palsy, this paralyzed man. What are these four men going to do to help him? Well, they picked him up to take him to Jesus. And so many other people were like-minded to go to Jesus. That it was packed inside the house. And it was packed outside the house. And so they knew that Jesus was the strength and the comfort that this man needed. So they went up on the roof and they dug through the pitch. And they led him down to Jesus. And Jesus was there to help him. We need to send for Jesus when life hurts. Look, there's a message for another day that we need to trust in Jesus not only during the hard times, but all the time. But look, when life hurts, we need to send for Jesus. And Jesus is going to be there for you and I. He gives rest to the weary soul. Would you consider this invite again? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the words of our Lord and Savior to you and I. He gives rest to the weary soul. Is anyone a little far from Jesus tonight, maybe? I read a story about a very talented artist. And he was just getting started off in his career. Everything seemed to be going great for him. He's talented. His artwork was starting to be known. He had a wonderful, lovely wife. And he received some terrible advice. A man told him, you need to leave your wife. She's going to hinder your career. And your artist career is going to take off. You need to leave her and go. And unfortunately, he took the terrible advice, and that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what happened. He had an amazing career, and everybody wanted his artwork. But he grew old, and he was ill, and he was alone with no one to care for him. And he went and he hunted up his wife, and she still loved him. And she took him in. And she took care of him. Does anyone seem far from Jesus tonight? I have to ask the question, guess who moved if he does? Because it wasn't Jesus. It was you and I if we're far from Jesus tonight. But so much more than this faithful wife. If we will turn back to Jesus now. He will receive us with arms wide open. We need him and he is there for you and I. I'll never forget the friend who was just moping over the fact that he rejected the opportunity to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And he says, it's been two years now and I've wasted two years and and I can't believe that that I didn't trust him. And the good news for the young man was the offer is still here today. It's still here right now. And for those who are a child of the king, if you have foolishly walked away Into this world and to the carnality of this world. Jesus is right there that we might come back to him. Never, never to depart from him again. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The preacher tells a story of a faithful couple of the church, man and wife. And they had served together for many years. And the wife was passing. 
And the man's instructions were, I want to be with her until almost the very end. But while she's still alive, I want to walk out of the room. And I don't want to see her once, once her soul has passed from her body and has gone to be with the Lord. And the preacher's there the whole time. And he says, his wife passed. And he said, I changed my mind. One last time, I, I want to go see my wife's face. And he walked in the room and he stood over her and looked down, the preacher said. And, and he looked at her face. And then he looked up as though he were looking at the face of Jesus. And when he looked back down, it just had a look upon his countenance as though he was comforted and he was strengthened by the Lord, strengthened by the one who says to us, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It's been said that Queen Elizabeth I when she was dying, she said millions, millions for one more inch of time. You know, at the end of life, all that counts is faith in Christ. You know, and that's the way it really is now. In this moment, all that really counts, what counts more than anything, is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says something else. Jesus says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Without Christ dwelling within you and I, we can absolutely forget this tall order. I tell you what, I, I know the way we sometimes talk and habit, maybe bad habit, but when it gets down to sincerity about this, it's very concerning for the professing Christian who says, I can't do that. Because in another sense, we have to say, how can I not do that? Because the last time I checked, the child of God has the Spirit of Christ dwelling within. And God has predestinated us to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. He, we are growing in Christ and maturing in Christ to be more like Christ. And that will cause you and I to love, to pray for to do good to those who have done evil against us. You and I becoming more like Christ. This is what happens when that maturity happens. Living according to the carnal nature, it's never going to happen from our lives. We can forget it. It is impossible. We can seem to be going through all the motions of praising the Lord, of maybe serving Him and His church and, and, and serving others. 
Having been saved, we've, we have been changed by Him. We're a new creature in Christ. But oh, when we are forgiving like Him, the soul can't be stronger than the forgiveness that He matures us into giving. People have had their hearts decay in bitterness and hatred toward those who have wronged them. You know, someone said hatred is self-punishment. And, and I've probably learned that the hard way, but it's so true. It really is true that it's punishing to self. It dries up the happiness of our hearts that we have when we harbor hatred toward another. It puts sandbags upon our spiritual life to do the spiritual work of God. We might be doing this and that. We might be giving and we might be reading and we might be attending. But holding back forgiveness... It's going to hold us back in every way. Thank the Lord for his words, though, that we might heed the words of Christ, that we would forgive and we would love. Jesus also says something else in John 14, starting in verse 2. He says, in my father's house. Are many mansions. If it were not so. I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am. Ye may be also. Jesus says that to you and I. This world and this life in this world, it is not all there is. There is not struggle in every chapter. There is not struggle in the final chapter of life for us. We have something better waiting for us. We need not fear the final chapter for the child of God. We are going to leave all of our troubles behind, and we are going to be lifted to glory. And there are promises of, of no more valleys when we get to glory. It's all mountaintop when we get to glory, praising and worshiping the Lord. Jesus says so. I think of a, a gloomy, dark, sad home. A, a mother who is almost bedridden and her young son who is just not quite old enough to take good care of her. And someone dropped in very often to see about them and help them. And this one who dropped in said, can I take your son out for a day once a week? Get him out of the house. It would do him some good maybe. And the mother said yes. And where that boy was taken for the day was to church on Sundays. And after weeks and weeks of going to church, this little boy came home to a dark, gloomy house with a sparkle in his eye. He was made 
a new creature in Christ Jesus. And, and he goes up to his mother by her bedside. And the words recorded that this boy said was, Mother, you don't have to be afraid to die. Jesus went through the grave and he left a light behind him. And his prayer was, Lord, make my mother a Christian. And his prayer was answered. And this woman believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was saved. And this little boy knew that his mother was dying. But she ended up passing from this life terror free. Because of the power of the gospel. Because of God's amazing grace. He saved her soul. And the final chapter was glory forever for her. It's glory forever for those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior of their life. Why is it that we would just gather to share some simple words of Jesus tonight in the midst of us? It, it may be that the voice of Jesus is calling you this evening. It's, it's the beautiful sound of His truth that just may be calling out to someone who has never repented, placing faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so it just may be that Jesus is asking you tonight, will you choose me the Savior over sin? Will you change your mind about sin and choose the Savior? You're not going to be perfect, but you're just willing to turn from your sins and to come to the Savior. Changing your mind about sin and changing your mind about Jesus, and you'll take Him tonight. Would you come to Jesus in faith and repentance this evening, just as He has asked? And let your life be led, be comforted, be strengthened, by all the commands and the promises of Jesus. Would you let him put his life in you. And then put your life in the church. Whatever it may be that he has personally spoken to you. Through his words tonight. Would you obey him? Would you allow yourself to be vulnerable and affected by the words of Jesus? Whatever he would have you to do. We are going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And this is going to be your opportunity to move upon Jesus calling you. Never man spake like this man. What have the words of Jesus done in your life? Have they changed your life? Let us pray. Almighty Father God in heaven. We come to you tonight and we thank you, Lord, that you can open your word, that we can open your word. You can open it to us. And it preaches itself so easily, Lord. And that you'd be searching hearts. Through the sound of your word, through the sound of truth as it goes out. And Father, if there be a lost soul here tonight. Dear God, we pray that they would come to Jesus to know him as Lord and Savior of their life, to have their sins forgiven, the assurance of heaven. 
knowing they have a Savior in a relationship with you. Dear God, as for your people, Lord, whatever it may be, Lord, I consider your word how you promise rest to your people. And we need it tonight, Lord. And there are those who have maybe been struggling and not simply accepting your invitation. Those who are heavy laden, may they come to you tonight for rest, Lord. And you help your people that they might be able to stand on their own two feet to live for your glory. We thank you for your promises tonight. We thank you for the words of your precious son to us this evening. And Lord, whatever it may be that you're doing in the hearts of others, we don't know. We only know individually. But may we obey you in our hearts as you have spoken to us this evening. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would all please stand.